today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Dr. Carla Badak Dadian. Hello and welcome to the podcast. This is Der Narek, the pastor of St. Sarkis Church, and welcome to a new episode of the podcast. This is our first show for 2018. Let us start our day and our show with a prayer from the prayers of the Armenian Church, given to us by Mr. Ve Bezdikian, our co-host. Der, yete im shirtunk neres panas, peranas ku or nutunat bidierke, or nyalala, Hamako yev miasnagan, an pajaneli surp yerortutuna, haire yev vortin yev surpokin, aijem yev misht yev havidianus havidenits. Amen. Amen. That's a beautiful prayer, Ve. And this is the first prayer of the morning service in our church. And while you were reading it, I, I just remembered my first day of ordination. Now you're ordained on Sunday, you don't do anything much after your ordination. And then Monday morning you go to church and you start the services. And this is the very first prayer that you say. So this is the first show of the year, and I think we're late. Um, this is almost the end of January. It is. We were supposed to do it monthly, and we're towards the end of the month. I guess uh, it's going to move the timetable up for the next one. It's okay. We uh, we have a show coming up, and there were some passive-aggressive comments on Facebook about why we're being late. Someone was watching one of our videos, and she commented, are you producing this new the new podcast? Clearly, it was not a podcast, and she knew it. But uh, she wanted her. To, she it's wa- an opportunity to air her grievance. Yes, and here we we're, here we have a podcast. Concert listeners, <laughs> we are all well here, and uh, we're happy that you you care about the podcast. And, well, uh, here's the upside, there, Nadek. Since it's towards the end of the month, we have a lot more to talk about. There There's things go. that happened here at the church in the last few weeks in the broader community, as well as upcoming events. So there are quite a few things that we can cover here. So it'll be a little more robust of a discussion considering the timing of the year. Sure. So when our last podcast, was, we were speaking about the, uh, with Dr. Jacob Gorgisian, who was telling us about the stress of Christmas time, and that stress is gone. It's over. We now had, there's new stress. We had no idea, however, that to that stress the snow was going to add another layer of stress, <laughs> especially during Armenian Christmas, which worked out uh, very well, by the way. Um, the, the hall was crowded more than ever. We had a very beautiful Christmas celebration, but that's behind us. And in the month of January, um, one of the major events that we had was the membership meeting, the presentation of the plans for extension. You were there, mm-hmm. and we're happy that the membership approved our plans, and uh, we should be starting our fundraising efforts. It's a significant development for the church, Dead Nodding. This is something we've been talking about for a while. 
it's it's it spurned from the expansion of our student body in the, the Suzanne and Hope Sepagopian Saturday School. So it's a great development in one sense, but you know it, it requires a lot of work. It does. And it was good to see that we're starting off the year focusing on what we need to accomplish collectively as a community, as a church, to to leverage our resources, to get people thinking about what we need to do. And we secured the approval, and we are now moving in the direction of uh, actually moving towards a plan, a formal plan that will sure. you know, be instituted. And if you take, if anybody takes a look at what's happening here at St. Sarkis Church, you, they will see that most of our um, programs are evolving around youth. Saturday school, Sunday school, which a year ago we were just starting, and then summer camp and summertime, and now uh, the Salt and Light, the youth group, you know, we are catering to this community, to the young community, and uh, because we, St. Sarkis has become a young community, and that's a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. So um, the other event that took place in uh, the month of January was Salt and Light. Our first gathering of Salt and Light, which um, again, it took us months of planning, and I'm happy with the result of not only the first meeting but also the excitement that the participants expressed about how they felt, how the entire thing worked, and um, they're looking forward to come and attend our next events in the near future. So why don't you tell us a bit about it, Dehide? Was it a kickoff event? Was there a social aspect? Was there, uh, did you kick off the Wide Disciple program? Because I know that's the way we're going in terms of a, a, sure. a formal program for the church and for, for the youth. Sure. I mean, just to give a little, back, a little bit of background to our listeners, um, we have a youth ministry committee in the prelacy. You and I are part of that. And then we have a youth ministry department headed by Anio Vanessian. And we worked with her to develop a program for, for the youth. And um, that program was ready to be delivered to our parishes by the end of August of 2017. However, here at St. Sarkis Church, we decided to take our time. We formed a local committee, and that committee worked very hard to brainstorm, come up with ideas on how we can do things. Once that committee was in shape and planning events, um, we invited Ani to come and to do training to us on how to use the material that the prelacy is giving to us through the Wide Disciple program. And that took place in December. Now we felt ready. We have the way that Sultan Light Group works is that it's more mentoring, it's more relational. We are trying to develop a relationship with the participants. And for that reason, we have six groups. Three, um, the groups are separated according to their gender and their age. We have three boys and three girls coming together and working with their mentors with the material that is provided to us by the prelacy. And that worked very well. Um, there was an introductory session with the parents. I explained to them about everything. They had lots of questions. We tried to answer those questions. And after that, or during that presentation, the children were having uh, their social um, activity. And after that, the group work started. And at the end, I had six group, six participants in my small group working with me. When the discussions were over, nobody wanted to leave. And that's a great thing because kids, most of the time, they can't wait for you to say, okay, the, the meeting is over and they want to go and <laughs> have fun with their friends. 
But, you know, they were very engaged, and that was very encouraging. So Salt and Light will take place every other week. And right now, it's the first phase. We asked everyone to, to commit for five sessions. And after five sessions, we will come with the second unit and we'll tell them the, uh, about what, what is needed in terms of their commitment. So hopefully um, this will grow. Our children, our participants, as they come here, they will learn more about themselves and their church and they will grow in faith. And my ultimate hope is that this program will also be implemented systematically in all the prelacy churches so that we have something cohesive going on in our in all the parishes. Well, that's the objective, right? From the from the prelacy's perspective to have this not just at individual a handful of parishes. We're starting it off with a group of 4, I believe to start off and, and there's actually others that are expressing interest, uh smaller parishes that have already embraced the curriculum and are looking to uh, to institute it in their churches. So, uh it's a positive development. I think it's it's new for the prelacy. The last few years, uh, the NRA uh, body had instituted an expectation of us to start focusing on youth-based programming, and this is coming to fruition, so it's, it's really great. And I think in, in terms of what's happened in such a short period of time, we've accomplished quite a bit, and you know, St. Sarkis is a great example of it's that. A pre- yeah, this is a pretty significant development, and we hope that this will grow and serve the needs of our youth um, throughout all our churches. Can I add one other thing? Sure. Uh, What impresses me the most is that in light of all of the competing demands on our youth, both from our community as well as from their own personal lives and from their academic and athletic obligations, they're still making this a priority. So it speaks to the interest level, it speaks to the need and the, the, the passion for this type of guidance spiritual guidance that that probably has been lacking, not just in our church, but I think across many, many denominations of the Christian faith. That's a great point, and you know, um, you give credit to the children and the interest that they have, and I give credit to the parents who are encouraging and bringing them here and trusting their children to our care. That's the biggest thing, and I'm I'm really thankful, and I hope that... um, you know, this relationship will help them and will become beneficial, not for the here and now, but also for, for the long term.
now we've talked about what's been happening here at St. Sarkis. Let's talk about what is coming up. And first, out of the gate, tonight, as a matter of fact, I mean, by the time our listeners hear this, it would have already happened, but we have a clean comedy night, a family-oriented comedy night. Squeaky clean comedy. Squeaky, squeaky clean. I forgot. Sorry. I misspoke there. My apologies. Um are you excited about I'm it tonight? I'm excited. I, I, it was great last year. I think it was it was a great start to a, a new initiative here in the church to come up with a, a new format, a new venue to get people together, make it more social, and have share some laughs in a in a very you know family friendly environment. Absolutely, uh, we we heard the concerns of our um, of the members of our congregation that they they are getting tired of dinner dances, mm-hmm. and I told them then maybe you can start develop. Um, vocations to religious life, become priests or whatnot, <laughs> but that didn't fly. <laughs> so they decided the comedy night will be a better alternative. That last year it was very very successful, and this year we we have um, a little bit different program. I hear. Uh, I think we have a band playing, and we might have an improvised show. For me, that is the highlight of the event. <laughs> However, since you revealed when are we recording this, today then is St. Sarkis Day. Today, today is? Today is the Feast of St. Sarkis. Oh, I thought and it was next week. Today, I mean, next week we will be celebrating, but today is the actual date, and therefore, Anunova Abrin Polor Sarkis Nera. Sarkis, Sako, what other, and, what are, and what are and derivations and Mardiros, of Sarkis? Serge, Mardiros. Serge. Mardiros is the son of Sarkis, uh, who was uh, killed before he was. Sarkis was killed. So today I spoke to the kids about um, the Saturday school. I spoke to them about how brave Saint Sarkis was, and you know that bravery is something that we need to have in our life. Uh, defending our faith, defending our honor—it's it's a great thing. Who killed him? Uh, he was killed in, in prison because he did not deny his faith. They killed his son in front of his eyes, but to him, his relationship with Jesus Christ was much, much stronger wow, that's incredible. than anything else. So the St. Sarkis name the celebration will take place next week on February 4th. February 4th, correct. Super Bowl Sunday. Super Bowl Sunday is also St. Sarkis Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> and there yeah. you are, the MC. Yeah, they're not a, always uh, puts me in these uncomfortable positions to Chemgernar Mergel, uh, but it is Super Bowl Sunday, so I do it with uh, under protest. I understand. Last, <laughs> I think it was last year that, or two years ago you protested and there was snow and the event was canceled. That's right, so, it was canceled. So That was kind of poetic two yes. years ago. This year I hope that doesn't happen and we'll actually go forward with the event. There will be a banquet. It'll, it is uh, under the auspices of our uh, prelate, Surpazan uh, Oshagan, who will celebrate the divine liturgy that day. He will deliver his sermon. It's the celebration of our church, and there was a banquet, as you mentioned there. And Surpazan will give some awards and recognitions to people from our community. So we're looking forward to that. May I ask, is this an Armenian tradition? The name day concept, I guess, because I I only know the Armenian church and some non-denominational churches, but is this a, an Orthodox tradition? Can you tell us about, and what is the significant, why do we celebrate the name day? It's the patron saint of your church. So you get to celebrate 
and ask the saints' intercession. It is not an Orthodox thing. I believe that the Orthodox and the Catholic do this. Catholics too. Okay. Yes, and um, Sarkis is a f- very popular saint in our church. But you know, uh, apart from the church, um, we Armenians also have name day celebrations. Like people I know will celebrate tonight the name of Sarkis. Hagop is another example. So Hagop is celebrated. So name days are celebrated because you know that's very something very important, but it's lacking in our culture nowadays. It's the connection that our ancestors had with the saints, and through naming their children after the saints, they showed um, respect and veneration. And saints were constantly present uh, in the life of our church members. Another upcoming event, I guess we could go through the entire calendar in February, but why don't we hold back on that? We'll just go through a couple of the upcoming events. Sure. Uh, Faith, Family, and Fun. And this is the second time. The second season, yes. If I recall correctly, we did this last year as well. Why don't you tell us a bit about what to expect at this event? It's going to be on Saturday, February 10th. Yes, that is correct. Saturday, February 10th, right after Saturday school. We'll finish Saturday school a little bit early and then start our program. So basically, we will have three different sessions. One for the parents, the other for the young children, and one for teenagers. And I will be leading um, the session with the parents. My good friend Maggie Kuyumjan will lead the session with um, the young children, and we're still working to see what is the program for the teenagers is going to look like. I can speak briefly about uh, my part, about my presentation. Um, I will be focusing on the sacrament of marriage, but it will not be uh, purely from religious perspective. It will not be the theology of marriage. I might start with that, but it's going to be something very practical. It's going to be like a mini marriage enrichment um, course. 
um, what are the possible problems that any marriage uh, can go through and what what are some of the areas that we need to look into what are some of the possible solutions to the problems and how we can make sure that our relationship as married couples is growing so it's going to be more again about relationships it doesn't have to be you know if we have participants who are not married they are also encouraged to come because it's going to be an invitation to look at how we deal with people and hopefully it will be something beneficial and and helpful considering your training that i I think that's probably an appropriate topic one that you're very comfortable getting into and it's an area that i think all of us could benefit from even just a few hours of focusing on ways to enhance our marriages uh both from your perspective as a as a counselor but also as a spiritual person sure to show the importance of having god in your life and and to strengthen and lay the foundations for a happy marriage absolutely that's the goal so the faith family and fun we had our first session back in in fall and we had a survey and participants voted that we do this on once every three months so this is the second session hopefully people will continue coming and benefiting from what we have to offer here and finally deadhide february 18th we are having a mental health seminar called ways to wellness with a number of uh, mental health practitioners from both the saint sarkis community and the broader new york armenian community coming out to speak to our parish uh why don't we talk a bit about that sure last year we had our um, first event it was again called ways to wellness and this was uh miss anait urlayan's idea she's she's the organizer and she's doing a great job we had the same speakers last year dr hagop gorgisian dr carlo bayraktarian and dr yaraz markarian and they did a wonderful presentation so this year they will continue this the topic will be different but again to have three professionals from different backgrounds, two psychiatrists, one psychologist coming here and presenting anything, and then having the floor open for questions and answers, I think that is such a great opportunity because I know there is stigma. People think that you know we have no problems and those who have problems should be in the mental institutions, and that's not the reality. We all have problems and we all need help. And coming here and speaking, you know, to the professionals, getting insight is very, very helpful. So I'm recalling back to last year, Deadhide, at this event, and I think it was our first time, our first foray going into this type of a venue or a forum for discussion around the topic of mental health. And it was incredibly well received. I, I felt people took took something away from it, and the panel members were excited, engaged. Uh, trying to break those stigmas that you talked about. I know Dr. Gorgisian, when he was here, we talked about that a little bit as well and the reluctance of people to get um, assistance. So it kind of opens the door. It makes people feel more comfortable comfortable talking to mental health professionals more generally and perhaps helps them to uh, to consider seeking treatment if, if necessary. Sure. And not everyone, you know, who hears about the presentations here will say, oh, I need, you know, to, to, to see a psychiatrist and whatnot, but at least to start to see, you know, what is going on in their lives. What are the, 
the sources of their faulty thinking in their lives and how can they make certain changes to have a better perception of the reality. That's all uh, what we want to, 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 to see happening here. And I'm happy that this event is being organized again and I hope that people will attend with the same level of enthusiasm just like last year. Today our guest is Professor Siobhan Nash-Marshall. She is the Mary T. Clark Chair of Christian Philosophy at Manhattanville College. She has been on our show before. She has many books, and her latest publication is The Sins of Our Fathers. Professor, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Father Narek. How are you? I'm very good. So happy that you are with us again. The first question that I have for you is why do you care about the Armenians? Well, that's a loaded question, you know, because there is so much to love about Armenians. And, um, but I will give you the short answer. Okay. And through an image. Mm -hmm. I was in Jerusalem in November um, to give some lectures, and I, it was on Sunday, and I decided I was going to go to Mass in the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, which for uh, Christians is the most holy place in the world. Of course. It's where he was buried and where he resurrected, and... Uh, I don't know if you've ever been to the Church of the Holy Unfortunately, Sepulchre. Unfortunately, I have you, not, no. When you enter, which is an experience, because there are guards and they let in very few people because it's rather small, the first chapel that you see on your left is the Armenian chapel. Wow. And, and that is, for me, just living proof of what St. John Paul II, so... Pope John Paul II, when yes. he was in Armenia many years ago, with Catholicos Karakin I. And he said, Armenian, Armenia is the martyr nation of Christianity. And I think that most people do not pay attention to what that means. But as far as I am concerned, the word martyr means witness. That's right. And so... You are the witness nation of Christianity. And that makes you an icon, a living icon, something to which all of us Christians must look, must look for guidance as an example of what we are, and you are the ones who pay for it with your own blood. How could I not love? You say we must look at it, but the way that you look is different. You're, the way that you look is more analytical. It's more academic. And your new book, The Sins of Our Fathers, is about this topic. It's about our witness. It's about the genocide. What, well, can, is, what can you tell us about this new book? book? It is a part of a project, and I think it will surprise most Armenians, because what I am doing is I am putting the Armenian Genocide, into the broader philosophical and historical context. One of the things that most people don't do when they study the Armenian Genocide is put it in the context of 19th century philosophy, 19th century politics, and 19th century history more generally. 
to give you an example, uh, we hear a lot about the Treaty, Treaty of Sèvres, mm-hmm. which was very, very important for the Armenians, and which, of course, was abandoned because Mustafa Kemal forced, with the help of uh, Stalin and Yelin, to the West to ignore it. But what we don't hear ever when we hear about, talk about the Treaty of Sèvres is to compare it to the Treaty of Versailles, the Treaty of Trianon, and all the other treaties that came out after World War I. Why do we need to look there? Because you cannot understand how deep the betrayal of Armenia is until you do. And how is, an that, how is that manifested philosophically? Yeah, let me give you an example. One of the rules of philosophy is that you have to be coherent. Now, the Treaty of um, Versailles with the Germans took the, the Prussian Empire and gave pieces to Poland, which they created, gave pieces to Belgium, gave pieces to France, gave pieces to... And the argument that they used always there in the Treaty of Versailles was that this land belonged to the natives who were, in the case of Poland, let's just say, the Poles, or in the case of France, Alsace and Lorraine, the French. Now, bear bear in mind that rule, number one, that they're giving land to quote-unquote natives, the indigenous people, to the autochthonous people, however you want to say that. And number two, they think that this is the rule through which you should create borders. Germany was made to pay for it. They also were punished for quote-unquote crimes against humanity in the Treaty of Versailles. And many scholars say that since Germany was so harshly treated, we went into World War II. But that's a different subject. Just bear in mind Versailles and the fact that Germany went from an empire, the Prussians went from an empire, and the empire was basically taken away from them. And the rule was land must be given to the natives. Borders must be made that way. And this is one of Wilson's 14 points. Now, the Treaty of Sèvres, was written along the same guidelines. Right. So what happens is that if you look at the Treaty of Silver and say, oh, wow, this is just using the same guidelines as everyone else, then you realize that somehow between 1920 and 1922, Western powers decided to use two different standards for the Germans mm-hmm. and for the Turks. Now, when you use two different standards, there's usually something fishy behind this. And that is because you are arm wrestled, because you don't think principles are important, and that sort of thing. Now, as a philosopher, I look at that and I say, why? And I think that the reason for that is that what was much more important than truth, than coherence, without which you cannot have any peace at all, mm-hmm. was for them political expedience. So and the political expedience here was created by the Russians, who at that time had become Soviet. And so it's Russian, it's the Soviet, the communist ideal, 
to make man uh, conform to Karl Marx's idea of a proletariat. Mm-hmm. So what is happening is instead of ideals, true ideals, like truth, justice, guiding Western powers, what we have is an idea like this. We should form mankind to the image of our ideas. And this is what the Armenian genocide should tell you. And Armenians, you usually are so used to suffering by yourselves because of this terrible wound that you don't think of, of these issues, how the fact that you were betrayed set the precedent for everyone else being betrayed, too, in different ways, but still betrayed. You use the word betrayal. And the title of your book is The Sins of Our Fathers, or, or The Fathers. Our fathers, yeah. Or the fa- yeah. Who, who has betrayed the Armenians, and who are the fathers that you are mentioning in your book? <laughs> well, the fathers are many. Who has betrayed the Armenians? Do you want the list? What? The list is, is long, but we can start from Western intellectuals. What most Armenians don't remember is that anti-Armenian propaganda began in the German press, and it was hideous in the German press, in the 1890s. And uh, <clears throat> German, uh, the German press was, was very, very bad. And uh, you have a terrible figure called Neumann, who actually wrote a book called Asia, in which he called Armenians all sorts of horrible things, like parasites, like the Jews of the Orient. Mm-hmm. And he described Armenians with all sorts of negative stereotypes. And the funny thing about this <clears throat> is that never once does Neumann, who was a, a Lutheran pastor, by the way, oh, wow. actually mention that Armenians are the first Christian nation. Okay. But I can take it farther back. Let's go to the Treaty of uh, San Stefano and uh, where that betrayal is. Everyone knew in 1878 that uh, Armenians, who were in the middle of uh, one of the most beautiful Zartonks you've ever seen. Right. The reawakening, the Zartonk. Yes. But beautiful. And you had the most beautiful school system and the school board set up in 1856 and your own constitution of 1860. It's beautiful. Um, in 1878, of course, uh, Hayrik Hrimyan said, uh, went to Berlin to try to defend the Armenians, saying, we need your protection here because we're being hurt. And... Um, he said, I only had a paper spoon, right? And that, and that God is nowhere. Spoon, That's right. I take it, was treaties. Now, the Western powers always fought with treaties. They thought, they thought, if we sign a treaty, then the Armenians will be respected, even though the treaties <clears throat> were never respected. And so if you follow the Armenian genocide and you look at the treaties that were signed, what you realize is that Western powers had about 40 years 
and that's four zero, 40 years, in which to address a problem that they all recognized. And here was what the problem was. Mm-hmm. Armenians are in the middle of a huge reawakening, a huge renaissance. 80 percent, 80, that's eight zero percent of the economy of the Ottoman Empire in 1915 was in Christian hands. I will repeat that for your, for your listeners because it is an extremely important number. Eight zero, 80 percent of the Ottoman economy was in Christian hands. That's not just the Armenians. I mean, obviously you have the, the, the uh, Greeks there and you also have the Assyrians, even though Assyrians had fewer businesses, but that's not important. Um, they all realized that this incredible ancient nation was in danger. The philosophy is that the ideal that we want to build the world with is more important than the concrete reality that already exists. Mm-hmm. You know, one of our biggest struggles in, in, for you as a professor and for me as clergy is the relativism, you know, and how what I like is my truth and what others like is their truth and there are no absolutes. That's where the Armenian genocide begins a new chapter in relativism. You see, when I say I'm going to take Armenian genocide and put it in the broader context, it's not just the other treaties. It's what's happening in philosophy. Most Armenians don't realize that Talat Pasha and Vir were all educated in Western universities. And in Western universities, they were learning a philosophy that basically said that historical truth, concrete truths, whereas facts and things like this, are not important. What is important is my what I am going to do with the world to build it into something that looks like my idea. There you go. And, uh, and that's where relativism starts. But you're the first victims. Now, with your book, and I know you 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 told me you told me off the air that there is a lot of opposition for your book not to be yes. signed. But what are you trying to achieve? What is your goal with publishing this book? To tell the truth. That's the big goal. The second goal is to give Armenians answers to the question that if I were Armenian would haunt me. And that is why. Why the genocide? Right. But your your perspective is different. You're not only recounting events you're not telling the history. No. But, but there is a, a totally different approach to the historical facts that are so hurtful to us. So I'm imagining all this information is yeah. greatly discussed in your book. Um, yeah. When is the book coming out? We're doing an interview about a book that has not published yet, and this is the first time for us. So when is your book coming out? February 1st. Once the book is released, what are your plans? I hear that there are a series of presentations in different churches, and I know that Anushaban Serpazan is arranging something with you to have a presentation at the prelacy. Is that the plan? Well, I, I, I can tell you who have contacted me so far, and I'm very happy about this. 
first of all, you know I do work with EWTN, and uh, we were already negotiating with EWTN when and how to, to present it there. And I think that's very important. That is absolutely very important. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm a Catholic. I'm a fan of that reason. network, as you know. So. <laughs> and uh, so EWTN, but, but more concretely, I'll be in Minnesota on February 10th, I think, February 23rd, I'm going to be in uh, a church in White Plains, Armenian Church. But then there are universities that have asked me to come. And, uh, you know, I don't even keep my calendar because it, it gets too complicated. But um, but you also mentioned about plans for the book to be translated, right, into Armenian? Right. The book is being translated as we speak into two different languages. One is in Italian because Antonia Slant um who's Hokezavakan I am, Hokezavak I am. <laughs> we know that. Uh, it loves the book very much. <clears throat> and she pushed to have it translated into Italian immediately. And uh, that should be released in April. And in um, Armenian, well, you know I love Artsakh. Mm-hmm. I think Artsakh is, um, I love Artsakh. I feel uh, very much at home in Artsakh. And you keep taking young youngsters to Artsakh. Oh, yeah, they live there, and it's so good for them. You have no idea how good it is for them because they learn what it is to live in, a, in, a, in what you Armenians would say, makur. Now, I gave the Eastern Armenian rights to them, and I think they're going to release the translation in uh, September in Eastern Armenian. Beautiful. And so that's because of their Independence Day, which is September 2nd. Mm-hmm. You know what 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 I admire a few years ago when you were invited to our church when you gave a lecture uh-huh. you said that you are working on a book and at that point it seemed very vague and today here we are talking about you finishing this work and that's a great thing and I would like to thank you on behalf of every Armenian that uh, an academic person a professional like you whose background is metaphysics and philosophy, has taken her time to study this matter and to present it to the world in a totally new perspective. So we owe you a great deal of gratitude, and we thank you very much for doing everything for the Armenian cause and the recognition of the Armenian genocide. I can't, I'm, I'm waiting impatiently to get a copy of your book and start reading it, and we will invite you to St. Sarkis Church to present the book and sign it for our audience. I would like to thank, thank you. you very much for this opportunity, and may God bless you. Let's do the Bible reading and the reflection now. And today's reading is from the second epistle of St. Paul to Timothy, chapter 3, verses 10 to 12. Now you have observed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions, and my suffering, the things that happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. What persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. Indeed, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Very short reading, but very powerful. This is a personal letter that Paul sends to his disciple Timothy, and he speaks about his own um, personal witness of faith. And the words 
are very powerful. My teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions, my suffering. So apparently Timothy was aware of what was happening in Paul's life and he has gone um, through a lot, but he doesn't want him to focus on the bad stuff. He wants him to focus on his conduct and his teachings. You know, there is some sort of philosophical approach to it, you know, and then there's the practical, the human approach, the love, the patience. And to have a philosophy of life, to have a certain way to live our lives, it's a very good thing. And most of the time we can live according to our principles when everything is going okay for us. But when we have um, troubles and persecutions, the persecution, the kind of persecutions that Paul suffered, then things are put into test. And Paul is confident that he was put into test and he was very successful in keeping that faith, keeping the positive attitude. And he is encouraging his follower to, to do the same. Yeah, the thing that strikes me the most powerful part, those who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. It's almost like an absolute. Uh, and we see it today. We see the suffering around the world of people who live in countries where Christians are not tolerated or are persecuted or treated very badly. Here in the United States, we, we enjoy the religious freedoms. So perhaps the pressures are different. They're more worldly pr pr uh, pressures that make it challenging for us to live our godly life. Mm -hmm. um, so I think there's persecution across the board. It's just how you respond to it. And taking from Paul's example, obviously, he suffered probably one of the worst uh, in, in terms of his life challenges and emerged from it stronger as a Christian. So that's what gives me a lot of encouragement. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I agree with you. There are severe persecutions in certain parts of the world. Um, we can say that we can practice our faith freely here, but it doesn't mean that, you know, there are no challenges in our lives. We mm -hmm. all face those challenges. However, um, what Paul does here, he kind, of, he, he kind of reminds us that we're not the only ones. People before us have gone through those challenges, and people after us will go through those challenges. But for us, in the here and now, it's very important to kind of look at the example of the great heroes and see what did they do, how did they endure, and how did they persevere. And that should be a great lesson for us. So that's why we read the letters of Paul. That's why we read and learn about the life of our saints, so that our faith is encouraged. Today's hymn is Zov Gensalwis, The Sea of My Life. This is a hymn that, that comes to us from Mesrop Mashtots of the 5th century. This is a hymn that we sing during the Wednesdays and Fridays in our church. It helps us to embrace the life of penitence. I hope you will enjoy listening to this Sharagan. We will be back next month. In the meantime, I would like to thank Mr. Veh and Mr. Greg our sponsors, and all our listeners. May God bless you all. Bye-bye.